Welcome back to Digital Health Unplugged, the podcast in which we take a look at what is making headlines in the world of NHS IT. I'm your host, Andrea Downey, and I'm senior reporter here at Digital Health. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Digital Health Unplugged, the podcast bringing you everything you need to know in NHS IT. Today, we're going to be talking about something that's not strictly digital, but it's really big news in the NHS. Amanda Pritchard has been named the new chief executive of NHS England, replacing Simon Stevens when she took up the post last week. And she is the first female CEO of the NHS. So that's really exciting news. And I think a very positive step forward for the NHS. A lot of the reaction we've seen so far has been really positive. Most people are really pleased she's got more than 20 years experience in the NHS, and that includes working in hospitals as well as national organisations. And she's also been working as Simon Stevens' deputy for the past two years, so she already knows how the organisation works. I think it's safe to say that her appointment has been fairly well received, but we wanted to get our own reaction from those working in the NHS and industry. So joining me on the podcast are Asha Cowie, Strategic Transformation Lead at Surrey and Borders Partnership, NHS Foundation Trust, Will Smart, Global Director of External Relations at Daedalus and former CIO of NHS England, and Hannah Crouch, our editor here at Digital Health News. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, First of all, how are you all doing and whereabouts are you all based at the moment? We're all too polite. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm sitting in my study near Windsor, which is where I seem to have spent most of my time sitting for the last 18 months. So, um, but uh, the sun is shining and everything is good. How are you, Asha? Not bad. I had an interesting morning getting a PCR tested on a four-year-old. So if I can do that, I can do anything. Um, (laughs) And currently in quite sunny and, and on the Berkshire, Hampshire border. Oh, that sounds lovely. Not the PCR test, though. That sounds <laughs> really hard work. It's horrible enough doing them as an adult. <laughs> Hannah, how are you? Yes, I'm good. And kind of like everyone else, kind of enjoying the summer months of it sort of being slightly quieter, no kind of major new announcements. Um, I hope I haven't jinxed it. But yeah, just looking forward to sort of it being a bit quieter months for digital health news and kind of getting ourselves ready for upcoming things that we've got going on and I'm sure there's going to be much more announcements to come sort of come September so yeah enjoying the sun. I want the sun to come back um <laughs> yeah, yeah, me it's, too. it's a bit depressing at the moment and I kind of don't know whether it's raining or sunshine so a bit bit more heat would be nice but can't complain it would be lovely <laughs> I think you've jinxed it now you've said it's been yeah, no, <laughs> I'm gonna get five announcements <laughs> later today <laughs> um well let's get straight into it because I know we don't all have much time So I guess the most obvious question to ask you all first is, what do you think of Amanda's appointment? Um, Asha, could I ask you first? Sure. Um, Really happy, actually. Um, I remember being um, on Twitter, the I think it was the afternoon it was announced or or leaked and then announced. I can't remember quite what order it happened. Um, But there was a real buzz, actually. And I remember seeing so many tweets and comments about um, women in particular feeling really inspired by this um, and it was all quite powerful. Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't actually realise that she would be our first female CEO of NHS England. Um, I just didn't realise there hadn't been one before. No, um, so I. that was quite an eye opener, actually. But yeah, I thought there was a really good buzz on Twitter about it all. Um, and 
you know, I think she's a really credible candidate as well, not just because she's a woman. She's got about 25 years of experience. Um, you know, she, she gets it. She's 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 done all this on, on the front line. Um, and she's been in that chief operating officer role for the last um, two years, I think. Um, I was actually quite lucky. I got to meet her at Expo a couple of years ago um, after doing um a flexible working presentation so my other hat is is co-founder of something called flex nhs and um she came along to chat to us afterwards and you know it was um i really liked her so i'm I'm really happy about the appointment and you could definitely feel the sense of people feeling inspired from it yeah there's definitely been a lot of everything i've seen on twitter has been really positive which is really nice um will how about you so uh, like asha i i i I think it's, uh, I feel very positive about uh, Amanda's appointment. It's great that somebody who has spent a long time in the NHS uh, has has been appointed to the role. Um, and I think it's important partly because one of the key challenges that she will have over the years is actually keeping staff uh, within the NHS on board about all of the difficult decisions that she's going to have to make. I think also... Um, in terms of her relationship with ministers and with the civil service, I think it's important that she is able to speak credibly on behalf of the NHS uh, to them as well. So I think, I think all in all, there were some great candidates. I think Amanda is is a great is a great choice, and she uh, deserves our support. Yeah, I think there's a bit of excitement from our, the new side of things, wasn't there, Hannah? When we were like, oh, first female CEO, it's very exciting. Yeah, well, well, I was the same. I I didn't realise that there hadn't been a female CEO, and it is quite surprising, um, considering how long the kind of NHS has uh, has been around. But I think it was it was it's it's quite nice to have someone that's come in that is has been so well received because there was such a it's been reported so much over the last few months. Obviously, since um to Simon Stevens announced he was he was be stepping down, there's been so much speculation and so much oh, it could be this person or that person and to kind of have it someone that's so been so well received and has the experience and the fact that she is a female um I think is really great and it's it's a good positive step like you said at the start Andrea and I hope it encourages more more other women to kind of look and say hey you know she can do it so can I um so yeah like I say I think it's it's been well received yeah I hope it encourages that too. Um, And I think all three of us really have mentioned um, the importance of her experience. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that she does have, it's almost 25 years experience in the NHS actually. Um, And I think that really gives you an edge, doesn't it? Like rather than someone that's coming in from the private sector or like a a business angle, she knows how the NHS works. She's, She's worked in hospitals and she's worked away from the ground up. I wanted to ask you each how important you think that is that she does come from within the NHS and what sort of benefits that's going to bring with her in her new role as a CEO of NHS England. Um, Will, I feel like you might be a good person to ask this one of. Well, I, I, I think it is going to be very helpful in terms of her credibility within the organisation itself. And, and clearly, when you are leading 1.3 million people, it's really important to keep, uh, you know, to to be able to keep your your staff on on board um and as i said earlier i think also the ability to uh manage uh the political issues and the politicians and ministers i think is very important from that perspective as well um i think it's fair to say though i mean simon stevens 
also came from the NHS. He was a graduate uh, management training scheme uh, alumni. Uh, he had worked in central government. He had also worked overseas. And I think, I think there is value in having perspectives beyond just the NHS. And and uh, so I, I, I think my sense is we shouldn't get too hung up that she's 25 years in the NHS. I think there's a much broader set of skills that she will bring bring to this role. And I think, um, you know, one of the opportunities we've had, although this is the first uh, female CEO of the national NHS, in, I joined the NHS in 1991. I think my second CEO at, the, at St. Mary's was a woman. There's a real history of women in leadership positions in the NHS. And I think this is just or this is the culmination of 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 female leadership in in an organisation that has a majority of uh, of women working in it, and I think if we look at culture, um, you know, again, uh, if we look at um, family life balance, those kinds of issues that I think the NHS hasn't addressed well, I think there's an opportunity for. Uh, for Amanda to start addressing some of those those challenges as well. So I think everything that Will just said is is really sensible. Um, I think there's always going to be pros and cons. Um, I, I know in digital as well, we sometimes can get hung up on whether someone's got an NHS background or not. So I, I suppose that runs that runs true in, in whatever sort of role you're in. Um, I do think there's something particularly helpful about the fact she's she's been doing that chief operating officer role for the last two years and we're in the middle of a pandemic so I think the the situation we find ourselves in at the moment is quite unique so I'd, I'd be leaning more towards it being a you know a positive but um you know I, I don't think we should be ruling out people that don't have that NHS experience because we we see that being a barrier constantly to, to people getting their foot in the door actually in other roles. And, and I think you're absolutely right. In fact, one of the biggest challenges for people outside of the NHS is to work out how the NHS actually fits together and how it actually works. And, and particularly, I think we've not talked about the NHS bill that's going, that's about, or it's actually in Parliament at the minute, and the impact that that's going to have on structures and on accountabilities and relationships in the system. Uh, there is something to be said about having somebody in charge who actually understands how the organisation fits together and how it works. Um, but that's not the only thing that's important in the role. And again, I think as you as you just said, you know, we shouldn't get too hung up on it. But I do think it brings some advantages. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you mentioned the um, the the bill that's currently going through Parliament. And I'm kind of glad you did, actually, because now I want to ask you how you think that's going to impact the new CEO role and what what you think the future is going to look like if that bill goes through. Uh, are you asking me? You yes. Asking me? <laughs> um, I, well, I, th- I think the best answer I can give is, well, it depends, doesn't it? Um, uh, and And I think it depends partly on you know, there's always a difference between what legislation says and how things actually really operate on the ground. And, and you know, structure is only one part of how organisations work. I, I think there is also some interesting questions around 
uh, Matt Hancock's desire to have more operational control over over the NHS and bringing powers into minister into ministerial hands and also DHSC, and I think it will depend whether Sajid Javid feels that he wants to have those or that level of control over the operational NHS, or as I think would be more sensible for him to say, actually, I'm happy to take the uh, good news from the NHS, but I don't want to be accountable for every missed performance target across the system. And I think that that debate between Amanda and, and Sajid, I think is going to be critical over the next few months. And again, probably one of the advantages of, of uh, Amanda uh, joining from the role that she's just been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Um, be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so let's look at the actual job specs that were put out now, um, because this is the first time that I've, I, well, I think it is, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a real focus on digital transformation in the job specs for the new CEO role. Um, so they were very clear in saying that the new candidate would be expected to drive to digital transformation and that they would need to have a proven track record in leading a large complex organization through transformational change, employing digital technologies and innovation. Um, those were the actual words because that was a mouthful to get out. Um, but a massive focus on digital, which I think is really exciting from our perspective. Um, so I did want to ask you guys what you think of, you know, digital taking front and centre of the job application and, and Amanda's new role. Um, Asha, would you like to go first on that? Yeah, I, I suppose it links a bit to, you know, what should some of her priorities be? What does that look like? Um, and maybe I'm biased because of the sort of things I'm involved in, but um, I think it's it's great to see digital in there. Um, and I think for me, it's about how do we keep that momentum going? So I think COVID has got us over some hurdles, but not others. Um, and, you know, there's a real risk that actually, if we take our foot off the pedal, if the funding suddenly dries up, if we, you know, stop looking at the professionalism of the workforce, um, we're not going to continue sort of making strides in, in, in the way we've sort of been forced to largely um, over the last year or two. So I think for me, there's something about how do you how do you keep that up? How do we really push the professionalism agenda? And I know I think me and Will could probably talk about that for, for hours if, if need be. <laughs> um, and how is digital you know, how is it seen as essential? How is it seen as core and mainstream? This is a conversation we've been having since local digital roadmaps and, and SCPs and, and probably long before that. Um, I can just speak from the roles I've done. But, you know, it can't just be for the enthusiasts. How do we make it simple for those on the ground? And, and, and how do we link it into everything and stop it being seen as a silo? So uh, that was a typical Asher ramble, but something <laughs> in there about it it not being a silo. You know, it needs to be mainstream, um, but also we have to keep the momentum on it. And, and, and through that, I think, is largely through professionalising our workforce. Yeah, I don't think you rambled at all in that. I thought that made perfect <laughs> sense. I mean, and I guess it must make it easier when... The, you know from the top it's being led from the top and the person that is in charge of the organization has been told we need to drive digital transformation is that I'm assuming that's going to make it easier I obviously don't work strictly in the industries so but then what do you think of that 
I mean, without seeing seeing the whole job specification <laughs> and, and, and you know, I suppose as context, if that was one billet of five or one billet of 100. Um, so Four, actually. I, I, OK, yeah. So I wasn't <laughs> sure which which bit of it that was in. So um, so that's that's good to know. And um, I, th- I think we'll 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 see as she gets her teeth into the role, mm-hmm. how that plays out. Yeah. Will, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's it's important and it's a good signal and it, it's uh, it's very useful that uh, digital is called out as one of the priorities. Um, so I, I'm I'm maybe a bit less concerned about the what it says in the job description and actually how it works out in practice. And I think there's a there's and you know I think we saw with Matt Hancock, a minister who was very uh, vocal about digital, but in many ways, the the reality of what was implemented over the last few years has probably been a long way behind the rhetoric that, that, uh, that, that, that we saw from the minister. So I think, I think we're in a different place, maybe from where we were pre-pandemic. I think we've, we've now seen digital technologies having a real impact on on frontline delivery in a way that perhaps we hadn't seen before. Um, I think we've seen the NHS England making much more use of data to understand demand capacity, etc. So we're beginning to see some of these tools now permeating into the in, in into the NHS uh, centre. So so I think it's I think it's positive. I think there are some difficult decisions that need to be taken and we had the audit uh com- the nao report um gosh it must have been it's nearly is it over a year ago it, it might it's, be it is. <laughs> it's all blurring into one at this stage <laughs> yeah it, it, it i was about to say the recent nao report but actually no it was quite a long time ago and it and it raised the the, the questions of you know organization how is the center to organising digital and and who's in charge? Well, in twelve months, I don't believe we've seen that uh, resolved. We've seen a, some some deck chairs moving. Um, we still have challenges of ish, of uh, funding, and of course that relies on the spending review that's about to come through. And I suspect Amanda will be spending a lot of her time over the coming weeks and months trying to get the best possible settlements. So I think there are there are a series of big strategic challenges that need uh that i think need leadership from amanda and perhaps um in a way that simon stevens didn't really address that agenda i think there are now some opportunities that are maybe beginning to be hinted at in terms of leadership down into ics's and how 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 the local nhs can drive some of these uh agendas forward digitally as well so i think it's positive I think uh, the jury's still out as to whether or not we really see a, a step change. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that you're talking about technology and data and digital becoming a bit more mainstream. Because I think purely from an editorial perspective now, uh, speaking as from Digital Health News, like it's, we've been seeing so much more in terms of our readership um, and the stories that we're doing that has just become more mainstream like I think we were we're quite it's quite a niche subject to be writing about sometimes and I think our audience has always been quite niche but in the last 12 months it's like 
well no not 12 months it's been, it's been longer than that now <laughs> but it's like really expanded out during the pandemic um and that's been really interesting to sort of see and be a part of because more and more people know what digital health services are now so I think I yeah I, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it now plays out in like leadership following on from you know the uptake that we've had from patients um and also I, I I'm assuming you know clinicians and hospitals as well where they might not necessarily have been as digital as they were they are now um Hannah have I made sense with that <laughs> I'm not sure if I've rambled there yeah no I think digital is definitely people are definitely more aware I would say of digital services in the NHS because obviously over the last 18 months they had to kind of it was the digital first kind of uh, solutions that they had to go to and I what will be interesting I do think it's quite um, striking that they have included tech as one of the four priorities because from our perspective on, on the coverage that we do Simon Stevens never I guess because there's so much other stuff he's got to address but technology mm. was never things that he really spoke about at conferences or at events and things like that it was it's always kind of led by the likes of NHSX or, or DHSE. So DH, yeah, DHSE, I think. <laughs> <Too many laughs> I can never spit that one out. Department of Health and Social Care. So I think with the this trans, oh, the, what is the directorate, transform, transformative directorate, transformation directorate, directorate yeah. that they're, they're creating, it's going to be this, you know, combination of the Department of Health and NHSX and all those. I think that will be interesting to see from her perspective of, the involvement that NHS England and improvement has with that, because mm-hmm. like we were saying, it's about leadership and this whole debate about um, national, the centre and, and those that are working actually on the ground and doing it. It's, it's, it can be quite a difficult relationship. And we've had the likes of the new uh, interim chief executive, Simon Bolton, saying that he wants to, he doesn't want it to be like an us and them situation. We're working in the centre with you to help you. You know, we're not kind of trying to get in your way. So I think this whole idea about digital leadership and like Will said with the ICSs and how what impact that's going to have, it's going to be kind of interesting, not even over the next few months, but years of how this develops and plays out. Um, But I do think it's important that it's one of her priorities, but it's kind of whether what her attitude is going to be to technology, because we've had someone like Matt Hancock who loved technology, who spoke about it every five minutes and so it's it's kind of like you're waiting it's like a it's like a teacher you know when you have like a teacher and you <laughs> yeah. don't know what they're going to be like like with Matt Hancock he came, yeah he like came in he's like I love technology like I love it and you're like okay I get you um but with their likes like Sally Jared it's just kind of waiting to see what their teaching style is going to be like leadership style is going to be like really so it's just waiting and seeing yeah I yeah I'm gonna have to give her a few months in the job aren't we before we can pass judgment on that one um but Will I think you kind of mentioned this or like touched on the fact that she's she's got a lot of work ahead of her I think she's I I don't think it's unfair to say that she's coming in at a point that's really pivotal for the NHS um I dread to think what her injury looks like at the moment because there's just so much to do in terms of getting us out of the pandemic and getting the NHS back on track and then dealing with you know, the backlog of stuff that just hasn't been able to be worked on during the pandemic. Um, so I wanted to ask, I mean, obviously, we love digital, but what, what do you think her immediate priorities are likely to be? And what do you think she should be focusing on? Well, I think her immediate, um, probably three priorities. I, 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 I think one is about re- recovery, re- actually getting the NHS back onto 
an even keel and addressing the kind of backlog of of, of patients we've got. I think, um, you, you know, we if we if we were in balance between demand and capacity before the pandemic, we're certainly not in balance now. And I think there's a huge amount of work needs mm. to be done there. And I think that is an opportunity. I think where data and digital can make a real a real difference. Um, so I think I think that's the the first one. Um, I think the vaccination process and 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 the, the 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 next round of booster jabs I think is going to be very high on the agenda because you know having having spent eighteen months locked up uh, locked in our houses I think there is a real sense of we need to get through this winter as best we can and I think the vaccination and boosters are the way to do that so I think. That has to be a real, uh, a real operation priority. And then I think, thirdly, there needs to be a real focus on on staff. I mean, I I left the NHS before the pandemic struck, and in many ways, I feel very grateful for for that because it's been, you know, it's been a remarkably difficult time for mm-hmm. everybody that's worked in the service, and you know, people are tired. Yeah. Um, and and we, I think Amanda needs to work through how, how does she support her staff over the next few months? Because probably this is going to be a very difficult winter and it's not even like we've had uh, any kind of uh, uh, break in the pressure over the summer period. So So I think a real focus on staff, making staff feel uh, valued and, uh, and 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 important. I think it's going to be really important. And I think, in part, that is going to be about focusing on the front line and maybe spending more time being visible in the front line, spending time with with the folk on the front line rather than managing up into into the ministerial level. So be be uh, present and be visible. I think. Yeah, Asha, did you want to have a? Did you want to answer that one as well? Yeah, I mean, I I pretty much agree with everything Will's just said. So I think I'll just expand on workforce a little bit more. Um, and I think for for me, it's um, you know, as as well as that well being and making people feel valued, it's well, it's all um links together. It's that retention and recruitment, and um, you know, we're at risk of seeing droves of staff leaving because they're just absolutely exhausted. And and you know, that's from all sorts of um all sorts of careers um. And you know that that is a bit of a worry. So um, with um, my Flex NHS hat on, we've seen a lot about the disproportionate impact on on carers who 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 you know tend to more likely be women, um, juggling the homeschooling or other caring responsibilities. Um, lots of men are having a tough time as well. Don't get me wrong, but but there's 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 something about all those people in those boat and the retention and and have they got the energy to do this again if if we if we need to so um i think yeah the the, the workforce is going to be a critical focus um alongside you know what we've already spoken about in the digital and and we we were talking about flexible working when i was in the royal free which is gosh five six years ago which again seems very odd that the nhs is a large um, such a large employer hasn't actually managed to work out how to organise itself in a way that actually works for the people that work for it. So, so 
what tangibly do you think she she can actually do to to affect that it, it over the next few months i wonder if there's something about how you know she can help champion and 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 sort of voice some of those things you know voice some of those good case studies and, and where because some some trusts um you know as with everything in the NHS you you talk about flexible working every single trust will probably have a very different approach to it so I wonder if there's something she can do to her to to empower that and to promote that and to talk about and you know sometimes sometimes you know having that um you know, feeling like you've got permission to explore the different ways of working or actually just knowing that this is something we could explore. Um, so I think it's maybe about being a champion for it. Um, and I think I think she I think she gets that. And, and you know, the work that's already been done by Perena to sort of um, and that flexible working team is, is, is great. But I think um, anything Amanda can do to help champion that. Um, I think it's going to be really critical for, for retention of our staff. Yeah. I think it's really important, isn't it, just to have the conversations. I think if if there's a leader that's just having the conversation, it does sort of allow people to think, oh, well, actually, this is something I can explore a bit more because it's, you know, they've mentioned it, it's going to be accepted. Like, just mentioning that it's a problem, it goes a long way sometimes, doesn't it? Um, but I, I would like to, I'm very conscious of time now, but I would really like to spend the last few minutes of our podcast just talking about how exciting it is that we have a woman in the CEO office of the NHS. Um, we have, I mean, it's no secret, let's be honest, I'm very excited. Um, but it would be really nice to sort of talk about what this means for representation in the NHS, um, especially for, you know, maybe women that are just starting out in the NHS and didn't necessarily know if they wanted to maybe take up more leadership roles. Because um, I think, you know, seeing seeing a woman at the top does make you think, well, maybe, maybe I will go for that job that I didn't think I could get. Um, so, Asha, I wanted to start with you first. Um, does that make sense? And what does it mean to you to have a woman at the helm of the NHS now? Oh, I have so much to say about this. Um, and oh, I think it's do. great. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to reflect back on um, about five years ago, um, I went into a meeting. So so basically being a woman in digital can be a pretty lonely place sometimes. Um, I went into a meeting, which was a national urgent and emergency care meeting, if I remember correctly. And I remember walking in and there must have been about 16 of us. And the only other woman in that meeting um, was a lady called Yvonne Ormston, who some of you may know. Um, she, uh, at the time, she was chief exec of uh, North East Ambulance Service, I believe. And out of about 16 of us, we were the only two women um, in, in a room full of men. Um, and actually, I think everyone else other than me in that room was white. So there was something about walking into that room and, and, and being one of one of so few women. Um, and I must I must be honest, um, so I was pregnant at the time. And before I got pregnant, I don't think I had thought about this as much. And I think because of being pregnant, the implications of that on my career were quite actually close to home. And, and thinking about what that might mean for me, what does that mean for my future? Um, and, you know, this stuff can get worse the more you factor in intersectionality. So when you start looking at race, when you start looking at disability. So for me, having a woman at the top is just such a good step in the right direction for helping with visible role models. Um, I know there were really mixed opinions about talking about the fact Amanda had had children and things like that. But actually for me, and I know quite a lot of other people found it inspiring because there is that bit of, if she can have that career and have children while she's doing that career, um, you know, 
maybe I can do that too and maybe it's okay if I want to have another child and that's really really powerful um and you know she she she, they spoke about her breastfeeding at a board meeting for example and things like that yeah um and at the health and care women's leaders um last conference you had Beverly Bryan and Emily Lawson talking about very similar themes so I think the more visibility we've got of women who have done this is I think incredibly powerful um and, and being a bit you know and, and being honest about it as well that it's not all plain sailing but but it is something that you can do if you want to um diversity in teams is just so critical so I've recently taken on a role a new role at Surrey and Borders um and for me one of the things that sold it to me was when they recruited the role they made it really clear it was about finding the right person and enabling you to work to your potential so they said you know if you're the right person we're happy to explore flexible working whether that's compressed hours part-time job shares whatever you know whatever that looks like because there was that recognition that having that diverse team will enable you to have you know a better way of thinking as a team you know you'll reduce groupthink you can challenge the status quo you can think about how to do things differently um, and you know Mike and Doug at the interview panel I was able to have that really honest conversation with them at interview as a woman and it's really powerful the more things we can do to enable people to do that so um I could talk about this for hours but basically um I think it's great I think it's great for role modeling and it will help some people think do you know what maybe I could do this yeah I hope so too and I didn't realize um I knew that she'd breastfed um in in meetings but I didn't realize there was like a little bit of talk about whether or not we should talk about how the fact she's had children because I think that's so important to other women to be like I can have children and do this in my career like that needs to be talked about and that needs to be seen I think that's a really important important aspect of of having a woman in charge I think that it was an interesting conversation the debate was in context of well no one was talking about Simon Stevens personal life so that's it, true actually so it, 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 yeah. in that context which I which I understand but for me the, the role modeling is really powerful mm. yeah yeah I I, yeah, I didn't think of it like that because we aren't really talking about his personal life. But then he, it's di- I think it's different when when in your career as a woman, you might have to sit there and think, right, I want to have children, but I also want to do really well in my job. And sometimes I think it feels like it might be a choice and it shouldn't mm. be. So I think it's important to have that conversation. Absolutely. Um, I'd also like to bring in Will and Hannah on this because I feel like I could also talk about this for hours. <laughs> um, I think it, it's... I think you can. It's a known fact. It's a good role model to have a female at the top. But I, I also think it's good to have. Uh, it's different perspectives. It goes back to what uh, Asha was saying about uh, you di- having diversity means you have different kinds of conversations. She'll come in with a whole new, different perspective, uh, being a different gender. And so I think that's what's really important. I think making sure that you have got everybody's voices are heard, and having all these different types of conversations. Because I find that. And it's nowhere the same, but in my job, you want to make sure that you're hearing from different people because they will offer you, they all have their own experiences and they will bring different opinions and different insights because it's that's what's really, really important to me. Um, so I just think as well as it being a, a great female role model for for kind of women and, and young girls, I think it's also great to kind of get that diversity in their different perspectives and opinions. So that's what I'm hoping for anyway. And I hope I just encourage this as much kind of diversity and and differences um within the NHS because I think it's only a positive thing yeah 
Will, how about you? <laughs> well, I, I, speaking as a man, I mean, clearly <laughs> I, I, can, I can speak to the lived experience of uh, the other panel members. I certainly don't, don't want to do it. I, so it, it, it's, a, it's a great step on the road but I think those of us who lived through the 1980s, you know, having our first female prime minister didn't suddenly mean that we had equality in politics. So, you know, there's a lot there, there's there's a lot of things that need to happen beyond this. And I think, you know, it's a, it's it reflects, I think, the gender balance and leadership in the NHS generally. And I think um an interesting point was w- w- was made about the lack of female leadership in digital in the NHS, and again, perhaps that's something that we should be thinking about as this as this digital NHS community and how we begin to begin to uh, a- a- address that. And I, and I think also, and and at the risk of sounding a bit flippant, um, but I think what she shares in common with uh, with Simon Stevens is an Oxbridge degree, although they both went to state school. Um, so there's something also about how do we how do we begin to open up leadership positions to to uh, people from you know maybe more working class backgrounds who maybe have different routes into leadership, um, minority groups, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think I think. This is a signal of how the future should look, but I think we need to keep pushing on the diversity and equality agendas very hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's always going to be work to do on that, isn't there? Um, and uh, yeah, I could we could talk for hours on this, but I'm very conscious that we are running out of time on the podcast. So I do just want to, I was actually going to ask you to wrap it up um, with one piece of advice you could offer Amanda in her new role, but I would, I'd like to change that actually and just ask if you could offer one piece of advice for Amanda taking forward her new role and also one piece of advice for women working in the NHS that are thinking about going for a leadership role or thinking about climbing the ladder in the NHS, what would it be? Um, Asha, I'll start with you. Oh, so I think in terms of advice, um, you know, I hope we continue to see Amanda um, sort of being her authentic self and sharing, sharing, sharing that. Um, I think that will continue to be really powerful. And, and it's sort of advice, maybe a suggestion, but I would love to see her um, offer her time up on the Shuri shadowing scheme. I think that would be brilliant. That would be amazing. Um, so, so maybe that's something I'll, I'll follow up with if I if I can find the right people. Um, I think for women in a leadership role, um, I think there's something about if you feel comfortable talking about it, you'll find that there's more people out there that have been through what you're thinking or what you're going through than than maybe you realise. So I think if we can encourage more of those conversations to happen and empower people, um, I I think that would be really helpful. Um, I haven't maybe articulated that very coherently. I think you were fine. (laughs) Have conversations with each other. Yeah. Will, what would your advice be? Well, first of all, to to Amanda, I, I, I think her role is to speak truth to power. And I think, in, particularly in this in this time, as we begin to move out of the pandemic, I think it's a really it's a time where she needs to communicate the reality of what's happening in the front line of the NHS to make sure that um, that that we get the resources and support that that's required on the front line. In 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 terms of advice to to uh, to, to women into leadership positions, I kind of feel like. Um, 
I, I, I'm a little bit reticent to give advice <laughs> to, uh, to 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 women. I I I mean I I think I. I'm going to say some things that may or may not make any sense. I think I think my advice would be be brave and be confident in yourselves. Many of the best managers that I've worked with over the years in the NHS and elsewhere have been women and they have you know they have been brilliant role models in how you actually lead people and how you lead organizations and I think you know we we need women to do what what you're already doing and to step up and to step up into leadership and and I absolutely accept you know I've got three children I spent the time when my kids were young working full-time and probably longer than full-time while my wife was at home and then working part-time and you know my wife's now the CEO of a charity I think it is possible to as we've seen with Amanda to uh be successful in your career and have a private life as well so i don't really have advice apart from just be assertive step up and uh and and, and do it everybody has struggles even if we don't see if we don't see what they they are obviously you might want to cut all of that out by the way because i'm not sure if that made any sense at all <laughs> no it made perfect sense actually if it's doing anything it's just cementing my view that women are the best and <laughs> we should be we should be going for those roles <laughs> I, I i wouldn't want to comment on that <laughs> I, I wonder if i can just come in with something quickly before sorry hannah um but but maybe there's something about um i think i struggled with the question a little bit as well will and maybe it's something about it's not just about putting the anus on what women need to do for themselves and their leadership role mm. but it's about how we as a system how we as allies um can support each other whether you're an ally for you know for for, for, for women or people of color or whatever that is so it, it, there is something about not not putting the emphasis on those individuals yeah. it's about how do we you know disrupt the system to create more equal opportunities for all definitely absolutely uh, it's like if you got through that glass ceiling help others get through it as well don't close the door behind you please <laughs> um Hannah what would you like to add to that um so if Amanda Pritchard um please could you do an interview with digital health for us yeah more <laughs> that, news stories please. that would be really great <laughs> and come to some digital health events and um, that'd be really nice um but I think you're just, gonna get a bonus for that <laughs> <laughs> I think just carry on with what she's doing don't feel like you have to kind of change your way like just keep she knows what she's doing she's just gonna mm do things her way and just keep at it and keep listening to other people, listen to other opinions and stuff like that. So I would just say carry on as you are. And then I think for women, I don't obviously work in the NHS, but I, I guess as a general fact is I think sometimes women can put themselves down too much and be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough to do this or I'm, I'm not good enough to do that. So just, and I, I think it's uh, sort of similar to what Will was saying, just be assertive and, and just go for it. Because at the end of the day, if you go for a job and you don't get it, it's, that's just part of your experience in life and it's good to have rejection because you can then work out well this is what I need to do next time you know it's not it's not a scary thing being rejected um but you will learn from that and and then what Asha was saying about learning with your allies and getting advice from people things like the Shuri network are great because like you said with the shadowing program it's so it's great to kind of see what other people are doing and, and how their roles work so just for um just advice for women I would say overall just kind of like just again just keep going at it keep representing yourself and speaking out as much as you can um, about your experiences whether they're good or bad because it's always good to hear 
from other people and and that whole sense of you're not alone there's always probably someone who's had a very very similar experience to you so that is what yeah. I would say but mainly the please do a, an interview with digital health <laughs> I agree please come on to our come on to the podcast do some interviews exclusive yeah. news stories throw them yeah. our way thank you <laughs> we'll be so the John will be so pleased <laughs> um but that, that was a, that was a good note to end it on because that was all really excellent advice I really enjoyed talking about what this means for women working in the NHS I think it's such it's such a positive step but sadly, that is the end of our podcast. Asha, Will and Hannah, thank you so much for joining me on Digital Health Unplugged. Uh, I think we've already established I've had a really good time. And of course, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget that Digital Health Unplugged is published fortnightly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and the usual podcast platforms. So please do give us a follow on any of those to keep up to date with what we're doing. And if you've got a podcast suggestion, we're really keen to hear from you. You can get in touch on podcast at digitalhealth.net. That's it for this episode. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. You've been listening to Digital Health Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more episodes or to keep up to date with what Digital Health Unplugged is doing, you can give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast channel. If you want to know more about Digital Health, our news and events, you can head on over to digitalhealth.net.